increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith, joined by my man, Kenny Bedwell. How are you, Kenny? Doing, doing well, Bill. I'm just, I'm just tickled to tell people why they should buy in New York City right now. <laughs> well, you're a New Yorker, right? I mean, Manhattan is an incredible market. It's the Big Apple. They get 75 million people, or no, 63 million people. That was Orlando, 75 million. 63 million tourists a year. They've got Times Square. They've got Broadway. It's probably what it's the culinary Mecca of the world. Why would anybody not? I mean, they got the Yankees, the Yankees, they've got Junior's cheesecake. They've got, you know, they've got everything. Why would anybody not want to be in New York? I mean, that's the whole deal with this podcast. You guys need to be buying in New York right now. Like today, if you're looking any place else, put that on hold, get into New York city because the prices are dropping so fast. There has been, never been an opportunity like this before to pick up short-term rentals at an extremely discounted rate. It's the time to buy. Now, you're never going to be able to short-term rent it, but no. <laughs> you're going to buy it cheap, right? So that's the that's called the hook in our title today. Please do not buy. Disclaimer. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do it. Go invest into a short-term rental in Manhattan because they just dropped the proverbial fucking bomb on short-term rentals. So if you own there, you're fucked, you know, yeah. right now, especially if you have a three-bedroom, a four-bedroom, you know, they one lost, hour. What's 77% of short-term rentals in, in a month period of time with the new regulation. So the new regulation was you can only host uh, up to two people. It has to be owner-occupied. And if it's a 30-day or less rental. So imagine if you've got a four-bedroom that you were renting with eight or 10 occupancy and then boom. Two people max. Oh, and you got to live there in the bedroom and keep the door open, I think was one of the things, right? You literally can't like close it off and lock the doors. I don't know how they would regulate that or, you know, enforce that, but it's just crazy shit. They're just trying to shut everything down. Yeah, no, I was just saying like, it's just one of those things where we go, I keep saying it over and over and it's like, look, don't invest in markets where the community sentiment isn't positive. Uh, New York City's had some strict regulations already, but now they just they're just like, oh, they're a lot of cities. I'm even seeing this and I'm a little bit nervous because it's like kind of creeping out my way. Like Rochester is starting to have some crazy rules. And I reached out to the people fighting it and I said, 
hey, I own a data company and you know, I can provide you the data because their argument is the same argument that they did in New York City is there's a housing shortage and short-term rentals are eating up that housing shortage. But the, the fact of the matter is that there's no data to support that conclusion besides the fact that, oh, there's short-term rentals and there's people without housing. Therefore, we have to, as city officials, we have to have make rash and react decisions. And so we have to go and put a ban on short-term rentals so people feel like we're actually like making a difference in our city. So I, I don't disagree with regulation to kind of protect supply in that market. You're muted. And the uh, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, like uh, I don't think like banning is just ridiculous, but it's obviously there's hotel lobbyists and and so on in these big cities. So it makes it really hard. So you have to be careful. You have to do your due diligence if you're looking into an urban market. It's one of the hardest markets to get into. It's one of the fewest markets where short term rentals like the community sentiment is positive towards them. And maybe I could later on, I can talk uh, give you guys some some urban markets that are friendly towards short-term rentals so you kind of know where to look um, if you're interested in an urban market. But in reality, it's most of them- I want to know that right now. Go ahead. Okay. So, well, within reason, I guess. Asheville, for example. <laughs> we needed this so, yeah. So Asheville, North Carolina, obviously like downtown bands, but it's, it's, a, it's not that big of an area. But the surrounding areas, it's very positive. It is a vacation market, but it's also but a city. The city is banned. Yeah, the city. So yeah, that that's is not good sentiment for a market. It, Outside well, of the city, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The city, it's not banned. It's mm. it's capped. And it, right. when I say capped, like you can purchase from a grandfathered, an existing. Crop, like an existing one, and still get it. And that's what I'm talking about. Like I would do that if it was a good deal. I would personally do that. You know, and it's the same thing in Watkins. It's the exact same regulation that I have in Watkins Glen, which is a vacation market. Same you in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Yep. And it's like they it's a tourist market. They rely on tourism to come and visit. And I, I'm speaking towards Asheville, you know, on at this point. But and people are still coming there and it's growing and they know that. And they're not at a point where they're like, we you know, we have this housing shortage and all this other stuff yet. And so it's not that they hate short term rentals. It's just they don't want them in like the supply in the city. So they've capped it. And um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to find one in the middle of Asheville, which you probably shouldn't anyway. Get graffiti or something. Uh, and uh, man, if you're ever to Asheville, it's an experience. I'll tell you that much. So <laughs> I've been there once. Not my once jam. Downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's. Uh, uh, I, it's I, I would challenge you. Show every time. I challenge you, my friends, to name any local municipality <laughs> in an urban market that is actually short-term rental friendly. I don't think it exists. And that's why that's why I do not invest into urban markets. I mean, I live, you know this. If you go back and you did historical data from like 2012 through 2018, this was like number one or top five market through the growth period of yeah. Airbnb and short-term rentals in Nashville. But part of it is the political climate. And I don't want to piss off a bunch of people on political views, but there's a reason I left California because the political climate impacted our insurance, impacted labor all those things 20 years ago. And I left to go to a, a red state. Now I live in a red state with one of the bluest cities in Nashville and downtown. And what that does is it, it, that the views impact, you know, the short-term rental space, right? And the 
and it's, it's it's anything gig economy, you know, is bad, and that's okay. We can all have our own views, and I'm the like the most non political guy, but we as investors need to take that into consideration. So I think Kenny, you know more about the nationwide regulation than I do, but if you followed a map of regulation and you look at the the political views, the more liberal they are, the more stringent they are, the more conservative they are, the more relaxed. And many times in the more conservative states and municipalities, they are regulated and they have a longer history of regulation. So that history of regulatory statutes being in place as part of my investing strategy, because I don't want to have to deal with what happened in Manhattan, you know, New York City, about three weeks ago. I don't want to deal with the ever-changing regulation in Davidson County, the city of Nashville, although I would love to have two or three or four in downtown Nashville, and I would have loved to have that 10 years ago, but it's just too volatile. And it's one of the reasons that it's not even just at the county and the city level, it's at an HOA level. So like if you're going to go buy in a condo, you're going to go buy a place that has an HOA, there's risk, right? And there's risk buying a condo. Even if you're in a place like Destin or Gulf Shores, it has a long history because you're still going to be at the mercy of the regulation of that board of the condo association. That's why you must you must ask for at least the last year's minutes from their annual meeting and try to get two years or three years if possible. So that way you can see the sentiment within the HOA association. So it's even at a different level than just, you know, state, county, you know, city, and then, you know, all the way down into the HOA uh, arena as well. Yeah. I do want to add like a lot of cities in the South that you can still pull it off in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, Uh, Raleigh area, like Greensville, you know, outside of Asheville, Uh, Lexington, Kentucky, even though they just dropped a little bit of regulation recently, but you can still. Where are all those states, Kenny? Down south. And then I'm going to go to Texas. They're all southern conservative states. Memphis, yeah. Southern Uh, conservative states. Birmingham, Alabama. there is risk at the local level for that, in my opinion. In all of those cities, there is risk. So if you follow regulation in any industry... Just like you just said, what happened in Manhattan could end up affecting you in Watkins Glen, could up could end up affecting you in Buffalo. Typically, Buffalo, what happens yeah. with regulation, stuff happens in California, stuff happens in New York, then Massachusetts and Boston and the major cities follow, and then it matriculates through the entire com- uh, country. Look at what's happening with legalization of marijuana. Where did that start and where is it today? You know, really, it's been about a five-year run. So the good thing is most people don't own short-term rentals that long. But if you are a buy and hold type of person, you need to understand that this regulation is going to matriculate all the way through the country at some point. Mm. Yeah. So here's my take on it. Urban markets are very attractive to invest in because you actually have a higher ROI, less seasonality than a vacation market. There's agreed. You know, I, I'd even argue to say like, it's a lot easier to differentiate yourself in an urban market than a vacation market. Look at what um, Evan said last night on our third training, what he did with buying John's property in the heart of Memphis. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like their numbers are just my Buffalo numbers. I will not do that in a vacation. I can, the, the numbers are just stupid what I did. And even compared to Watkins Glen, it just, doesn't even like the ROI isn't even remotely close. It's just a lot higher in the urban markets. 
And, you know, I'm not saying I just bought any old house and any, you know, anywhere in the city. It's you're if you're very targeted and specific and you're in the right location, it's a honey hive. However, you do have a higher risk of regulatory sentiment, you know, changing over time. And so you have to be on top of it. So whenever the committees or like city councils, like in Buffalo, whenever they meet about it, I'm there. I'm in on the no. You know, they were proposing a tax. And a lot of hosts hated that and they were complaining about it. And I said, look, guys, like if we give them this tax, if we don't fight this, we say, actually, yes, we, you can tax us like every other normal you know, location because you guys aren't invested in other locations. This is pretty normal. But that aside, if we give them this tax, that means we're legitimate and we're now paying them and making them money. But they're going to have a harder time banning us like flat out or making some sort of stupid rules. So like, let's actually promote this and incentivize them. And so it's about being smart and being involved, but you have to do that. And if you don't want to do that, you don't want to be involved or if something happened, like fight back or whatever, then you need to, then you probably shouldn't be investing in urban markets to begin with. So you have to be prepared to fight. You have to be prepared to educate. I say fight, but it's like educate. You can't be afraid to uh, join your get together with the other local hosts and talk with the cities. I've seen it where the hosts have gotten together and, you know, formed an alliance and then they've taken on the city, you know, like when I say taken on, they've like, you know, gone back, you know, went after the councilmen and stuff like that and kind of showing up to the meetings and sharing stories and everything like that, providing data and, and it's worked. It's gone in their favor. But here's the problem, uh, Kenny, with that. Most people wait too long. That's true. And, or most people don't don't uh, want to work with like, they just don't they're like, oh, I don't have time to do that. Somebody else will do it. If you're in an urban market and you do not have a local association, <laughs> you need to form one now. Because at some point somebody is going to get pissed off because you know, some kid, you know, was walking on their front lawn and they're gonna have a connection to an alderman, a city council member, and they're gonna be able to get a bill written to ban short-term rentals or to tax short-term rentals or to limit occupancy or limit nightly stays, whatever that is, is guaranteed to happen in an urban market. Guaranteed. Doesn't matter of what size. I could pull that right now in my market. Literally, my next door neighbor is going to be our next mayor. And he is like the leader on the city council today. And I have a great relationship with him. And he wouldn't do it just for me because he's like totally legit, right? But I would have his ear very, I'd have his ear very heavily because of my stature in this industry and he knows what I do and blah, blah, blah. So if I was adamantly against and I could give him some good facts, there probably, I could probably get some type of bill, you know, pushed into at least to get presented uh, to the city council. My point behind this is, is we suck at advocacy in this industry. Mm -hmm. We are so fragmented and I spent six years of my life, Kenny, trying to fight Uber in the ground transportation. I know a thing or two about a thing or two in regards to this fight. And I'll tell you right now, if you are in any urban market, anyone, and you do not have a local association, because we don't have a national association to help us with this, you need to start an association. It doesn't even need to be official. You don't need to file documents and put all that stuff together, but you need a group. And you need to call it something and you need to create it. So when this does come, you have a voice and you have more than just you or your neighbor or two or three people. There is strength in numbers. And if you're in a city that only has 50,000 people population, but there's a thousand SDRs, start a Facebook group. Start that today because you don't want to get 
Dallas or Philadelphia or Honolulu Atlanta. and caught off guard. Yeah. When you get caught off guard, the bill is already at first reading and you only have like seven days to assemble to get to second reading and try to get it deferred so you can create another week before it comes back that following Tuesday. There's just not enough time. Every single municipality needs to have you or an association or at least a Facebook group to bring you together so you are ready because it is inevitable that this is going to come at some point. Yep, it's true. So, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I mean, like I said, I don't want to scare anybody from, especially if you can do it legally and do it smart. I personally, I'm invested mm -hmm. in urban markets, so you'll never hear me say don't invest in them, but be very, very wise. And most people listening, though, probably shouldn't invest in urban markets. <laughs> there so. is security in being in traditional vacation rental markets. And that's why I have stayed there. Many of you might think I'm like uber aggressive. I am not. I am extremely conservative with my investments. I am aggressive in how I build them and turn them into super properties. But on the buying side, I'm extremely conservative. And and it was one thing I learned from Richard Kenny is, you know, traditional drive-in vacation rental markets when I started. And that's where I've, I've built my living. I've built my whole, you know, real estate empire there. And, and do I know that I'm leaving some money on the table by not being in, uh, you know, these different municipalities? A hundred percent. You know, we see, and I didn't know this until last night. We'll just give an example. If, if you guys weren't on the, it's been a couple of weeks now by the time you guys see this, but we had Evan who's in, um, went through our accelerator program and has been in my mastermind. He bought a property from John Hodge for $329,000 in downtown Memphis. I've been to that property. It's a shitty area, but it's got really good proximity to Memphis University and downtown. $329,000. The projection, because Evans knew it was only his second property, both John and I helped him with his projections of revenue. And no, I did too. Performa. And, and did you help him as well? Yeah, no, yeah, I did. Projections I, were $72,000. He's now doing a hundred grand because he's in that urban market and he put in about $15,000 into a $329,000 property, small three, two, John had done a great job. It was John, it was actually John Hodges first short-term rental. Did you know that? I did not know that. No, he paid like I, mean, I just know he updated it. $1,000 for it years ago. Yeah. But Evan crazy. now is going to do, he's already, I think he was projecting between 98 to a hundred thousand dollars in revenue. And he's generating 3000 to $5,000 net cash flow a month. He bought this in 2023. This was not a 2020 purchase. He just bought this like nine months ago. And he had like a hot tub, a fire pit, and some murals. And that's really it outside. But nobody was doing that in that market. And that's one of the things, Kenny, I think that you have an advantage that I see. If you have that footprint, you know, people think a super property or these mega properties are not. This is a very small property, probably less than a quarter acre lot. Not such a great area in Memphis. Memphis is, can be a little bit iffy in different parts of the city and he's in one of the iffy parts but he's turned it into this cash cow i think john and and, and him said like 52 percent cash on cash on a three hundred twenty nine thousand dollar investment a hundred grand in revenue there's people that are buying million dollar properties down in destin market that aren't doing a hundred thousand dollars a year and other markets too <laughs> yeah Oh, goodness. I think I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I just want everybody to understand the risks of going into an urban market. And I am in no way trying to steer you away from investing into any of these markets. I mean, 
if you like, look, I'm in no way trying to steer you away. Five of the top, I bet at least five. If you and I, like literally right now, each wrote down and put into the comments our top 10 properties or top 10 cities to invest in right now or markets, I'll bet at least five of them would be urban, strictly from you know, a gross ROI or a revenue standpoint to be the most investable. And, and there's no question Asheville would be in both of our top 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'd probably say like, yeah, there'd be, be a few. I mean, yeah, cities, towns, things like that. I, it's it's all about sentiment, right? So like, why are people going there? Is it a vacation destination or is it where people live? If it's where people live, like residentials, you know, residents live, you're going to have problems at some point. That's my real you know? So also too, like, I, I, I'll, I'll include this because I, I, this like came up while I was talking. I was like, you know, I am heavily invested in an urban market, but all of my properties in Buffalo pencil out as a long-term rental too. So when I got into it, I made sure that that was the case. If I had to exit either into midterm or long-term, they would still pencil out. So because of the risk of, you know, regulations and, and other issues that could happen in that area, in that market. So like, yes, I will fight, you know, because I'm making a ton of money as a short-term rental host in that market. But if it got banned, it's not the end of the day for me. But if somebody came into that market and bought in the wrong area that couldn't pencil out as a long-term rental, you're in trouble. So just be prepared if you go into an urban market and have some exit strategies that that makes sense because like, that, it's very real, just like we're seeing in New York City. That is not a standardized component of most people's underwriting process that should be. That's something that, that we teach, right? And yeah. You know, when we we're, we've talked about it the last few weeks on the super team training series is that underwriting component and falling back. A lot of people are thinking about midterm rentals today because it's the sexy new thing that's, you know, been popularized really over the last probably year to year and a half, uh, especially for people that are not who have those average properties that aren't, mm -hmm. you know, producing short term rent. But the reality is, is you shouldn't be underwriting at midterm. You should be underwriting at the high end at short term and then really underwriting at the long term because that's the only way you're going to exit a buy most buyers don't understand midterm rentals today they don't know how to work with the insurance companies it's too new and there's just a there's a small number of people that are doing it that's why they're being successful at it it will get saturated as other things have done but from an underwriting process you could have that as your you know one of your three scenarios but you definitely want to have the LTR component and that's a con, Kenny, that you do not get in a vacation rental market, right? You only will get that in an urban market with consistent year-round traffic that's coming for, it could be tourism. It could be, you know, from an economic standpoint, it could be from, you know, medical, you know, whatever that is. So those are all things that you have to factor when you're selecting the market and doing your underwriting process. Love it. Awesome. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks. Thank you guys William. for listening. Excited that you guys are here. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Happy hosting, yeah. everybody. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.